calling today's word never too old. I could also add to that title and say, and also never too young, because we're speaking about the wisdom of God for a balanced life. I'm going to read a prayer from the book of Proverbs, chapter 30 and verse 7. And here's the prayer. Two things I ask of you, Lord. Do not deny them to me before I die. Remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This powerful prayer is one that we are never too old or too young to pray. In this prayer, we're praying for the wisdom for some of the wisest choices we can make for the rest of our lives. And while ever we are alive, we can still say the phrase, Before I die. This prayer contains a twofold request on behalf of all of us to God. And the first request has to do with being given a heart of truth in two special areas in our lives falsehood and lying. And the second request is being given the integrity to be content in all circumstances, whether in times of scarcity or abundance. When we pray about truth, we're asking for two different aspects of untruth to be removed from us, and these are falsehood and lying, which have both been in humanity from the very beginning, as we shall see. Falsehood, and the Hebrew word is shav, S-H-A-V, was the flaw that Satan exploited in the mind and heart of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. That word for falsehood, shav, in Hebrew, is a strong negative word describing the deception that leaves one with the feeling of desolation and uselessness. In fact, the word shav in the Hebrew is to make desolate. And because the heart is our active responder to life, it will respond to whatever information the mind feeds it. The lie spoken by Satan and planted in the minds of Adam and Eve was the falsehood of being separated from the truth of God's love and goodness. They didn't feel that that was going to come towards them because of the lie. And in their deception, their human hearts could not trust that God wanted the best for them. Satan lied to them and said, God's not going to give you the best. You can take it for yourself. You can become like him. Take a shortcut. Their souls were then plunged into desolation. Darkness continues to feed the human heart today through an independent mindset of separation from God that erodes our trust in a loving God, which causes us to decide what we want as the best for our lives, rather than his goodness, his will for our lives. That lie not only robs us of the truth of his loving heart and goodness and blessing towards us, but makes us live at a distance from God and even to hide from him like Adam and Eve did, because of shame and guilt. And so we can end up 
living a false life with a false image of who we are rather than as the real person in the true image of who God created us to be in Jesus. So we pray for that falsehood to be removed and for us to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, for a mindset of faith and trust in him. And so he rescues us from the prison of our own falsehood, Shavah. Ask God to show you who he is to you and for you and who you truly are in his sight and he will reveal this to you. Simply ask, show me, Lord. The other aspect of untruth to be removed from us is lying. And that's another word in the category of untruth. And the Hebrew word for that is dabar, D-A-B-A-R. And that Hebrew word means to do harm to another person by falsely judging them or accusing or blaming them. Adam blamed Eve for making him eat of the forbidden fruit from the tree. He said, the woman you gave to me, she made me eat it. So not only did he blame Eve, but he blamed God. And he did great harm, not only to his relationship with God, but also to his relationship with Eve. That lying continues today to feed the human heart as an aspect of untruth that we can pray to have removed from us. And the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. It's also in Proverbs 18. And that misuse of the power of the tongue in the destroying of another person's name and reputation and honour maligns their essential being or nature. When we pray to God for him to remove this kind of lying from us, we become peacemakers and bless not only our relationships with individuals, but we can become part of the blessing and healing of entire communities. The second request in our prayer in that verse from Proverbs is about having the integrity to be content with neither too much wealth nor too much scarcity. The prayer starts by saying, Give me neither riches nor poverty. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or, lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. So the first part of this second request, first request was had to do with untruth. This has to do with wealth or scarcity. But the first part of this request has to do with riches. And the request is one of asking for the wisdom to approach life with God as one of always being in need while always being aware of not having greed. The Bible says you cannot serve two masters, God and money, for you will despise one and love the other, or love one and despise the other. The scripture also warns us not to determine to be rich to the point where we say we have no need of God and that our own hand can supply for us what we want from life. Read that in Deuteronomy chapter 8. It says, Beware that in your plenty you do not forget the Lord. He fed you with manna in the wilderness, so that you would become humble 
and so that your trust in him would grow and he could do you good. He did it so that you would never feel that it was your own power and might that made you wealthy. Always remember that it is the Lord, your God, who gives you power to get wealth. God had to teach Israel wisdom every step of the way through the wilderness. There was a lesson about the wisdom of life. And I believe that the best place that we can come from when we approach the Lord in any situation is from a place of need. And along with the place of need, there is the place of thanksgiving. The need speaks of our hope. We have a hope. But the thanksgiving, that's our faith. Thank you, Lord. You're at work in this situation. And so we see in this prayer, feed me with the food that is needful for me. That's a humble prayer and an honest one. And food, when he says feed me with the food, food speaks of any kind of means or supply, a resource. It can mean anything. Finances, wisdom, or the abilities that is put in our hands and in our hearts to do what he would have us do. Knowing we're in need of him, also keeps us close to him. Not just because of the need, but because the closeness develops into a relationship where we get to know and trust him and to be patient and wait for him to give us the food or particular resource that he knows that we need. Sometimes we just have to wait and we get to know ourselves in that and we get to know the Lord in it. Any empowering from God to a person to get wealth is an act of his grace. This is a gift of an ability that's bestowed and not earned. And along with any empowering of any gift or ability comes the accountability towards God for that ability. It is his bestowal, not our entitlement. And that bestowal requires our stewardship. Paul spoke about his empowerment in Christ to have both abundance and scarcity when he shared about learning to be content with whatever he had. And he writes to the Philippians in chapter 4 and he says, I have learned how to get along happily whether I have much or little. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of contentment in every situation, in abundance or scarcity, whether it be a full stomach or hunger. For I can do all things that God asks me to through Christ, who gives me the strength and power to do it. While Paul had a godly approach to abundance and wealth, Paul also speaks about the ungodly approach to abundance and wealth and of a wrong desire to get rich as leading to many temptations. And he writes to Timothy about this in first book of Timothy in chapter 6. He says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In our original prayer in the book of Proverbs that we read at the beginning, we also saw the mention of an ungodly approach to abundance and wealth where it said, Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? That's an ungodly approach to abundance. This means that if the love of money drives us to get our own wealth, 
we can become detached from God's idea of what is needful for us. And we deny him saying, who is the Lord? This not only means having our soul pierced with many sorrows, as Paul wrote to Timothy, it also means not having faith to draw close to God, which means that we don't get to learn to trust him or be patient and be taught of him. And in turn, we don't get to know him or to see what he does. And we don't get to give him thanks in all things. No hope, no faith, no God, just my determination. Just as there is an ungodly approach to wealth that I just read, there is also an ungodly approach to poverty and scarcity, which is highlighted in the second part of our prayer, in that request about scarcity and abundance. And the second part of that prayer says, Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. This is seen in people who become envious and resentful of the wealth of others, and they steal and cheat without a conscience. So this is, this is my right to have this. I resent the fact that somebody else has got what I want. Now this can also become an angry and emotional demand for justice, as seen in some of today's activists and destructive protest culture. Paul told us he was empowered to live through Christ in godly scarcity as well as in abundance in Philippians chapter 4 and he gave God thanks in times of abundance and scarcity he knew that the supernatural work of God in demonstrating the power of the Holy Spirit did not depend on money but nonetheless he gave thanks to God for his financial provision and he honoured those who blessed him and supported him in this way and we read in that passage of scripture in Philippians chapter 4, he's speaking to these people that had given to him and he said, How grateful I am and how I praise the Lord that you're helping me again. I know you've always been anxious to send what you could, but for a while you didn't have the chance. Not that I felt in need, for I have learned how to get along happily whether I have much or little. But even so, You've done right in helping me in my present difficulty. Paul finishes by saying, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So in summing up, we see that just as there is a godly grace of empowerment for us to get wealth, there is also a godly grace for us to experience scarcity. So that either way, we might bestow and multiply grace and blessing to others and receive from God what is needful for us. I want to underline once again that this attitude of faith towards God concerns more than just material possessions or money. It has to do with time and effort and the care and compassion that is given from each one of us to one another. And this emphasizes the point about the best place to be coming from as we approach the Lord. We come from that place of need. And remember, there's thanksgiving there too. There's the hope and the faith. We come from that place of need when we say, feed me with the food that is needful for me. We come from that place of need before God. And we can then go to a place of need in another person's life. So we come from a place of need to God and then we go to a place of need in another person's life with what 
God puts in our hands and in our hearts to do for them. In this way, thanksgiving becomes multiplied and more grace is given to us all. And we grow together in faith and love and unity. In Jesus' name, thank you for that wisdom to live our lives, no matter how old we are or how young we are, for the rest of our lives. Amen. The Lord bless you all.